So this is the elementary doctrines or elementary principles of Christianity. You'll find these in Hebrews chapter 6, verses uh, 1 through 3, and they are repentance from evil deeds, faith in God, baptisms, plural, that's water, spirit, and fire, uh, the laying on of hands, the resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgment. So we really just want to dive deep in these things. You know, the author of Hebrews makes it very clear that it it is impossible to move on to maturity in Christ without having a grip on these things, without having these things solid and firm in our faith. They are, as many call them, the foundations of our faith. You know, just like a house, you don't build a house uh, without first laying the foundation and making sure it's sure. The author of Hebrew actually in, implies, if you go back and read in that that in Hebrews chapter five and six, um, that that it's actually impossible to uh, grow into maturity unless you are at a place where you can even teach these things to others. That even in that place, that's when you begin to mature. That's how much the Bible encourages us to have these things in such a solid way. And so that's really our heart. You know, elementary means to be first, to be chief the leader, the ruler, the beginning things, the initial starting point, the foremost, the preeminent thing that is ahead of the rest. And principle or doctrine means this. Uh, it's, it's the thing that brings it to closure. It's the thing that moves it to a conclusion or lays it to rest. So these are the beginning, preeminent, ahead of the rest things that lay to rest all other arguments. They're the conclusion. So anything we read in the Bible, they have to pass through these doctrines. Amen? We have to have them. They will not compete or contradict these things. These are the foundationals. The Bible says that um, he builds the church, right, as Christ Jesus, the crucifixion, the, the, the finished work of the cross as the chief cornerstone, and then the apostles and the prophets, speaking of their doctrines, right? The Bible says about the early church that they adhered to the apostles' doctrine. These are these teachings. These are the initial things that Christ then begins to build his church off of. So, again, we just really want to stand firm in them. And, uh, and, and these are really, uh, as Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, I passed on to you what is most important. These are the most important principles. And so we've already covered repentance from evil deeds and faith in God And now we're really going to begin to touch on baptisms. It's very interesting that it's plural. Do you notice that baptisms is plural? And so uh, I want to kind of cover that. The Bible mentions three different types of baptisms, three different types of baptisms. You're going to find that in Matthew chapter three, verse 11. It says this, I baptize with water. This is John the Baptist speaking. Those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And you see here the three different types of baptism represented. You see the baptism of water, the baptism of spirit, and the baptism of fire. And we, all, we know clearly that, yes, Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit and in fire, but obviously he practiced the water baptism as well. The early church did. It's, it, it is a doctrine, an essential work of Christianity. Well, what does that word baptize mean? Well, it's baptizo in the Greek, and it means to dip, to submerge, but specifically of ceremonial ceremonial dipping, I baptize to immerse. Check this one out: to be pickled. Do you know that? To be pickled, like you take a cucumber and put it in vinegar, and it changes into a pickle. So it was one thing, and it becomes another. See that? To dye like a color. So if I take a shirt that was white and I dye it, I change it into something else. Um, it means to be fully wet, not not fully, not a little bit, but fully. Speaks of a finished work. And so the first part we want to cover is water. Um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about my my belief, which I believe to be completely biblical. And I'm going to 
I'm going to talk to you about it, and then I'm going to lay it out for you in Scripture. We're going to have a lot of Bible tonight. Is that all right? Don't you love the Bible? I love Scripture. Uh, we're going to have a ton of it tonight. But here's what I, I want to say to you, because we are, um, how can I put this? There's a lot of different beliefs about baptism, water baptism. There's a lot of different beliefs. And, and it has been, and I think the, the pendulum swing was, is, is um, you've got two major camps. You have the camp that believes that it is a work of salvation, that you cannot be saved unless you get baptized with water. You have another camp that believes that it is just a ceremonial outward expression of an inward reality. And I, I, I would say those are two sides of the pendulum. Typically, truth is somewhere in the middle. Amen? Typically. Um, it typically is. And we're, but we're going to take a look at what Scripture says again. But I want to present to you a truth that, that baptism is not a ceremonial, uh, just a ceremonial um, outward expression of an inward reality. It's absolutely not. That is not found in Scripture at all. Baptism is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you how wild the, the Lord is. I want to tell you the sign and wonder that happened today. How much God is on, how it's the perfect will of God that we're teaching on this today. You want to see how awesome God is? I was sitting in the lobby today, typing up the message, getting my notes ready, compiling thoughts and the direction we were going to go today and meditating on it, laying it all out. And then I, I began to walk outside. Chris was here. Caleb was here. I, I walked outside. And as I did, a man walks by and he begins to start a conversation with me. And he just so happens to be the Lutheran pastor down the street. And him and I begin to start talking about communion. Because if you don't, if you don't know, the Lutherans are a sacramental um, religion. They have a sacramental um, doctrine, meaning they believe that the bread and body the communion is the literal bread and body of Jesus, a supernatural thing. And they also believe that the, that baptism in water is a supernatural event, that it is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not just something ceremonial. And, and in my studies, um, you know, this is what I found to be in Scripture. And I'm going to go over that with you. I'm going to show it to you in the Bible. Amen. I don't want you to just take my word for it. I want to teach you the Bible, not just the opinions of man. Amen. I want to invite you into faith. And I would ask you, what takes more faith? To believe that it's just ceremonial and it's nothing or that, man, something happens in that water. Amen. And so uh, him and I begin to talk and the Holy Spirit showed up. Man, I was smoked talking to this Lutheran pastor. I'm standing there. The Holy Spirit shows up. I'm like, woo. We walked back in with Chris and, uh, and Decker. And I was like, man, God was on that conversation. I was like, that man is anointed, humble, meek, you know. And he's super humble. Don't think they got it all figured out, you know, just like we shouldn't think that we have it all figured out. Amen. How many of you know we're all going to the same kingdom? Amen. We all believe in Jesus Christ. We're all going in the same direction. By the way, they got some things right. And whether camp we came out of, you know, we probably had some things wrong. I was Baptist at one time. I've been, I've been Assemblies of God. I've been, you know, oh, all over here. You know, of course, now we just love Jesus, man. We follow the Bible. We follow Jesus and his doctrines, amen? The Spirit is the head of the church. But I can tell you one of the things that really began to spark faith in me for this baptism of water is what happened with my daughter. And so some of you know this, some of you don't. At four, uh, my son led her to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit in the bedroom. They just, in a conversation, she was actually manifesting what I thought might even be a <laughs> demons, but I think it was just sin nature in a toddler. Um, <laughs> you know, if you if you need to to know we're all bored sinners, just hang out with a kid. But, <laughs> you know, and she was getting angry. Like, I mean, it was bad. I was like, what is going on? She was having these outbursts of anger. Like, it was not good. Her attitude, everybody, even leadership people in the community are like, what is going on with her? And I'm like, God, I don't know. I just began to pray. And then my son uh, led her to Jesus, and it shifted, and things changed. She started, she still had a little bit of a different, but man, before this, she didn't want to pray. She didn't want to pray at uh, the dinner table. She didn't want to have nothing to do with it. But he then led her to Jesus, and <laughs> there was a shift. She got born again. 
you know, she was born again at four. And then she began on her own to begin to ask me about baptism. She began to say, Dad, I want to get, get baptized. I'm like, you want to get baptized? She says, yeah, Dad, I want, I'd like to be baptized. On her own. She'd just hear us talking about it. She'd seen baptisms at church and things like that over the years. But on her own, she begins to requ- request to be baptized. And I'm like, I just don't know you're for. You know, we don't really baptize children. I, I don't know, you know. Um, and, and I began to take it to the Lord, and the Holy Spirit said this to me. How many of you know the Bible says the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance all things that Jesus said? He brought it up when the Lord said this, let the little children come to me. That's what I heard the Lord say. Let the little children come. So I said, okay. I filled up the bathtub, brought her upstairs, put her in the bathtub. I said, do you understand, uh, you know, Jesus is Lord. I went through the gospel with her. She understands. Okay. I baptized her when I, when I brought up. Now, I never went over this with her. When I brought her up out of the water, I began to lay hands on her, and she began to visibly get touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. You could see her. I mean, you guys know what it looks like when somebody comes under the power of God. And I asked, I said, I said, Nariah, what happened to you in the water? And she said, when I went in the water, I died, and now I'm alive again. She had a revelation by the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says the children, the children will lead them. Do you know that? There's no junior Holy Spirit. There's no age gap on the Holy Spirit, man. You don't quit. He'll do whatever he wants, and he can move and work and give revelation through anybody he wants. And let me tell you, from that moment on, her behavior shifted. Everyone in leadership saw it. There's many people in the community can come up and tell you, say, no, no, no. She was born again. She was one way, and then she was another. Amen? And so there is a supernatural work that happens in that water. It's not just ceremonial. Um, we've had many testimonies of people who have been baptized uh, that, that prior to being baptized with this understanding um, were suffering from uh, just issues in their mind, their conscience being violated, you know, just s- being seared, them still struggling with depression, anxiety, addictions, things like that, walking with the Lord for years, but then got baptized with the understanding and the faith that there's a supernatural thing going to happen to me when I get in this water. And they come up and completely change. We've literally seen people begin to manifest demons in the water. I mean, uh, baptisms get wild. We've got a couple of videos, and um, maybe I can and splice some in at the end of this for YouTube. But, I mean, we've seen God just touch people in the water. We've had people, um, I don't, Tommy's not here tonight. Tommy got baptized, listen, at a lake. And when he came out of the water, he was dead in the water, man. I mean dead in the water. It took like eight of us to get him out of the water up the steps, and he was gone for like a good hour. He was just gone in the Holy Spirit. The power of God touched him. Would another person get touched, look like you, you, you dropped like uh, a, a, a toaster oven plugged into a socket in the water with them? They were, you know, the power of God hit them in the water. And again, many deliverances, people set free, issues they were having in their mind completely gone. Why is that? Well, Scripture's going to tell us. Amen. The answers are there. And so let's look. Um, water baptism. Jesus commanded the disciples in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you're going to find in Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 41, that as Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, it says, Peter's word pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for, catch this, the forgiveness of your sins. Then, after that, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. After being baptized, there was an order there. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Then those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Uh, then you're going to find this. This same Peter 
when writing his letter, references uh, baptism again in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 through 21. He says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. So already the context is what? Putting to death the flesh and making alive the Spirit. Listen to this. By whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, where in hell, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited, from, waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. Listen to that. And this water symbolizes baptism. So the water that quenched the earth of wickedness, the water that washed away the corruption of the flesh. Go back and read in Genesis. It says the whole earth, all flesh has been corrupted, and God washed it away in water. Do you see that? Listen to this. And this is how Peter then ties that in. It was a shadow and time of a reality to come. Listen to this. This water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, there is a supernatural thing. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit on this. There is a supernatural thing that happens in the water that literally washes and cleanses your conscience. Not the washing of dirt off a body, but the cleansing of the conscience. The cleansing of the mind. Paul talks about having the mind of Christ. Listen to this. In Romans chapter 6, verse 3, it says this. Paul writes, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Listen to this in Galatians 3, 27. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Isn't that very interesting that he ties in being baptized, immersed in water, in putting on Christ. And then he goes more in depth on this in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 14. Listen to this. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world. It's almost like he's warning about these traditions. He's warning about even what he's about to touch on, guys. Context is key. Read it in the context. He's talking about Jesus being rooted in your faith, Walking in Christ, the same guy who just said, when you, put in, when, you were in, when you were baptized in that water, you put on Christ. The same one. All this, all this is the same context. Listen, it's go, he's going to bring it all around to baptism. It's almost like he's warning, hey, don't fall into philosophies. Don't fall into the wisdom of men thinking this is just some kind of ceremonious thing. He's warning you. Listen. The basic principles of the word and uh, world, and not according to Christ, for in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. In Him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. By the circumcision of Christ. How? Buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised with him through faith in the working of God. Faith in what? The work of the Spirit. He is saying to you that that baptism tank, I keep pointing over here because that's usually where we do baptism, but that baptism tank is a burial grave. That water is a grave for your old man. Yes, symbolic, but more than that, supernatural. 
that when you go in that water, there is a death to that old man. There is a washing of your conscience that you receive the mind of Christ. It is a supernatural spiritual work that takes place. And when you come up out of there, you're raised into Christ, putting on him. This is what he's saying. He's saying, don't let your faith be in the philosophy of men, but in the working of God. In the workings of God, the power of God, having faith in this, who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God. Not symbolic, but supernatural. Now, you may have a question. Are you saying that that I must be baptized to be saved? What I'm saying is I believe if you were on a on an island and you met a guy and he led you to Christ and you and preached the gospel and you received Christ, and that guy died, and you were never baptized, and you died, you're going to heaven. I do not believe that that it is required for you to be baptized. I do not agree with that, that it is a requirement to be saved. I, in the sense of, in the sense of being born again and having access to heaven. But how many of you know that word saved? It's a really big word. It's not just saved from my sins. It's saved, healed whole it's sozo in the greek it's the whole man it's it's the fullness it's the body soul and spirit being saved it's your save from sickness save from disease save from depression save from anxiety and save from your sins save from the second death to spend eternity with christ that sozo encompasses all of that so it is a work i would say of sanctification There is a supernatural work of sanctification, and if you can get baptized, you should. It's very interesting if you you catch it when Philip the Evangelist is preaching in the book of Acts to the eunuch about salvation. The first thing that comes out of his mouth is, what's keeping me from being baptized? They so tied in the need to be baptized with salvation. It was not something that we just put off. And if you notice, Peter says, uh, be baptized and then you'll receive the Holy Spirit, which we're going to get into in just a minute. Uh, But there's a person that I I led to Christ one time and uh, was staying with me. And I kept praying for them to receive the Holy Spirit. I kept praying for them to receive the Holy Spirit and nothing would happen uh, for them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, which we're going to roll into in just a minute. And nothing happened. And I kept asking God, like, why? What's going on? They're about to go on a journey. I was like, man, they're a new believer. Like, they really need to have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Like, they need the Holy Spirit. And uh, and, and so, obviously, they receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. Uh, but then there's a baptism. There's an immersion of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. Um, but anyway, so... I'm like, man, what's going on? I had a vision in my living room. I had a vision of me baptizing this person in a river. And so it was actually Mill Creek. And some of you guys know how sketchy that is. But anyway, but we ran real quick. It was 4th of July. It was pretty cool. We ran real quick down to uh, the river. And literally fireworks are going off in the background. It was pretty sweet. Baptized him. He comes up out of the water. He's like, glory, woo. You know, he's all full of joy and everything. I'm like, all right, we'll get out of that water because it's Mill Creek. And so anyway, we got out of the water real quick, and uh, but the water's not the cleanest. But anyway, uh, that's what the Lord said to do, so we did it. I knew he would protect us. Amen. I wasn't uh, operating by foolishness but by faith. Hallelujah. So <laughs> anyway, we got up on the shore, and I'm walking. The Holy Spirit told me, said, go lay hands on him. I went and laid hands on him. As soon as I did, boom, man, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He began speaking in un- unknown tongues, which is often a um, an expression Uh, of being filled with the Holy Spirit, which we're going to see in just a minute. But there was an order to it. Now, again, God supersedes that at times. It it just it just happens. Um, You'd say, you know, typically the Bible says even Paul himself says, how can someone get saved if they don't hear preaching? Right. Yet Paul was saved without preaching. Jesus Christ came to him himself. So at times God is sovereign. He does what he wants. But how many of you know, typically 
there is a way that God typically does things. There is an order. And so it's just really, really important. Water baptism is so important. I want to touch briefly on the Hebrew roots of baptism. They would get baptized in a thing called a mikvah. It was a, a, a baptismal pool. I encourage you to do some research. I'm not going to touch on it for the sake of time tonight. But look up that word. It's very interesting in the Hebrew what it means. But the, they believed. See, the Jews practiced baptism as a ceremonial washing, a washing away. But what they believed happened is they believed the water represented God and that when you went into it, you, you became one with God. It was representing your oneness with God. And if you were to convert to Judaism, you actually had to go through a process, and that process in, included, I think, several baptisms. But, um, but anyway, often they would prefer that you be baptized in what they called living water, which is a, wa- a sh- moving stream or an ocean, what is a, a, a live water, not just a pool of water. That's what they preferred. Why? What do we see the Bible calls the Holy Spirit? Living water. And we see, we just read it. Uh, Paul says it. He says, sorry, let me get back to my notes. He says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus, there is something that happens in that water. The Jews had it. They had a revelation of it, but they didn't have the full revelation that it was into Jesus Christ. So often when we baptize, we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit into Jesus Christ. And I'm just telling you, man, something happens that water. People come up out of that water, and they get smoked with the power of God, weeping, laughing, deliverance takes place. I mean, I was telling you, some of the testimonies at the beginning of the teaching, but man, I mean, just God, it's a supernatural work. I would propose even um, there are some people that have uh, hemmed up destiny even, um, hemmed up sanctification in their life, things they've been dealing with that'll be destroyed if they'll just get in that water. I've literally, I've met Christians who had been saved for a long time, which just like, yeah, I just was never baptized because wherever they were at, emphasize it as just, a, well, whenever you're ready to do it, whenever you just feel like it, and it's just symbolic, you know, it's okay, like whatever, it's just kind of a thing that you decide on your own between you and God. It wasn't taught as an essential part, an essential doctrine, an elementary doctrine, which he says you can't even go on to maturity without having this on lock. That's the whole point of us even doing this teaching. And unfortunately, people go years without baptism. And then what ends up happening, though, is those same people, man, once they got baptized, things in their world, they were flipped upside down. Sometimes it goes real bad real, real fast after that, but then all of a sudden God flips it around, and it's the best they've ever seen it. I'm telling you, I've seen there's people in this room, that's their testimony. It happens. There is a supernatural thing that happens in that water. And so I want to stir up your faith. Um, for that, listen, if you're watching this and you have not been water baptized, find someone who believes this and get baptized in water. Amen. We're going to be having baptisms here super soon. I already had somebody come up and ask me about it. Listen, if you want to get baptized again, it's totally okay. Nothing wrong with getting baptized. again. I've had people tell me like, well, that's offensive to the first time I was baptized. N- no, not not really. Actually, even some people who got baptized as a baby, and they're like, well, I was baptized as a baby, and I was like, well, even people that believe in that do that, they get baptized again. You know, there's a confirmation. They confirm what was, you know, what happened then, and so uh, I want to encourage you, man, just get back, whatever. The Holy Spirit leads you to jump in that water. Get in that water. I mean, I've seen some of the most powerful. There's a whole revival going on down in North Georgia that is all centered around uh, baptism. Caleb and I went there. There's literally people getting in that water ha- who have cutting marks where they've been cutting themselves. They go in the water and they come up and the scars are gone. We saw a testimony of a little girl who had a huge tumor and she got in the water and got healed in the water. Why? God just met them there. Why? Probably because the Holy Spirit's trying to reemphasize that, hey, this is not just ceremonial. This is supernatural. There is power in this thing. And we want to have faith and believe rightly in what God says about it. Amen? Amen. Let's roll into uh, the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit. It's the second one 
we want to cover. Again, you'll find that in Matthew 3, verse 11. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So we see Jesus is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. You'll see his disciples. It's very interesting. Go and read. His disciples often baptize in water. Jesus didn't. He would allow his disciples to baptize in water. Um, but then it says he, obviously the Bible says he will then baptize in the Holy Spirit. He's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Uh, John 1, I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Again, showing us that Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For in one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit, to participate, to commune, to take of, to to drink of one spirit. Again, Acts 1.5, For John baptized with water, but you, he's saying this to the disciples, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I want you to catch this because this is going to uh, really, I think, help us in our minds comprehend because there is some interchangeable verbiage in Scripture um, on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because this is really laying the context of what Jesus is saying. Listen, he says, I will, he tells them, this is before the day of Pentecost. He says, I will, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Um, Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of of the earth. It's the same portion of, of scripture, the same conversation that Jesus has with them when he says, when the Holy, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then, hey, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power. So then we'll see in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, it says this When the day of Pentecost had arrived, the day Jesus was just speaking about in Acts 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There's a couple of things I want to point out here. I just, first of all, love the Holy Spirit. I love Jesus. I love how genius he is. He's saying a lot and doing a lot right here. You have to understand there's a whole lot going on right here. One thing he's doing that I think we pass over and we miss is the tongues of fire. Why did the Holy Spirit manifest as flames over their head? Why did he do that? Well, we see in the wilderness the tent of meeting, which Peter calls, by the way, our body, a tent like the tabernacle of meeting. And that one day when we get into the resurrection of dead, the dead will touch on this. One day, this mortal will put on immortal. This tent will be changed into a more solid structure like the temple of Solomon, which will represent our eternal body. Amen? Our glorified body. This thing is temporal. It's going to be changed. But what does the Bible call this body now? It calls it the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he was showing you, representing you, scripturally and prophetically that just as the pillar of fire was over the tent of meeting where God's presence rested in the old covenant, now that thing is over man. Now the spirit of God dwells in man. This is the mystery of God, Christ in us, the hope of glory, that we would be the very temple of God. And he was showing you that prophetically, symbolically, as God often does. Isn't that amazing? It's also the same way you notice a mighty rushing wind. It came in, <laughs> rushed in. You'll see the glory cloud come in and fill the, um, the, te the temple of Solomon as well. God's very, 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 very uh, genius in all this. So anyway, um, mighty rushing wind. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, Again, uh, this uh, proper interpretation of Scripture reveals that the words being filled with and baptized in the Holy Spirit are interchangeable. Did you catch that? 
proper interpretation of Scripture reveals that the words being filled with or being baptized in the Holy Spirit are interchangeable. They're the same thing. What do you mean? Well, I just read it to you. Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, 5, For as John baptized with water, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Then he says in Acts 1, 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Well, when was many days from now? The day of Pentecost had fully come. The Holy Spirit came, and then the Bible reads that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, that he came in them. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So anytime you read in Scripture, Paul laid hands on or somebody laid hands on, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, it, you could just read it's bapt, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. It could read either way. Jesus himself says it either way. I just read it again, Acts 1 and Acts 8. Acts 1, he says, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts 8, he says, you'll receive when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then the fulfillment of what Jesus prophesies comes to pass in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, when he says again, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So again, all three of those, filled with, Holy Spirit coming upon, and being baptized in the Holy Spirit, they're all interchangeable. We get hung up, man, on, well, brother, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit, two totally different things, two totally different not according to Jesus, who is the Word made flesh. I mean, I just read it, <laughs> right? Why are we gonna, we're not going to argue with Jesus. But what that does, because, again, there's a lot of people who say, brother, there's not a whole lot of, you don't see the mention of baptism of the Holy Spirit in Scripture after this. You see them getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they, people twist that, and the doctrines of men and the philosophies of men get involved, and then they try to twist it, and they make doctrines out of one line of Scripture or one word, and they get hung up on this and that. When uh, Guys, remember, the Bible is getting translated from Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic into English. And if you know English is like one of the hardest languages to learn. I don't know if you know, you realize that. You know that. And it's tough to learn. English is like tough for other people uh, in other countries to learn. So imagine you're translating the written word of God, trying to get it accurate. Man, what you want to talk about something that needs to be done right. But again, these words are all interchangeable. Being filled, the Holy Spirit coming upon and being baptized. This should now help you as you begin to read through Scripture, and you'll see it. You'll start to see it in Acts. Um, you'll see it in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Listen to this. And these are believers. It's very interesting. These are already believers who have already received the Holy Spirit. It says, and, and the apostles are among them in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And continue to speak the word of God. There was another filling. You can be baptized, immersed, the Holy Spirit, come on, be filled with the Holy Spirit multiple times throughout your life. I personally, how many of this room would say that's happened to me? I've had multiple encounters with the Holy Spirit. Multiple infillings. Multiple times where, whether it be a man of God laid hands on you, God came in the secret place, he touched you, and you were filled with the Holy Spirit. What do we mean? Does that mean the Holy Spirit left me before that? No, it doesn't. But there was a fresh baptism, a fresh immersion, a fresh drink, if you will, of the Spirit. Like you said, we all drink of one Spirit. There's a fresh, I drank of the Spirit, and he filled me so much flow at overflowing. Does that make sense? This is all, right? I just read it. It's all Scripture. That's why I'm giving you a lot of Scripture. Because our carnal mind, we don't like this. Our flesh doesn't like this. Why? Because the flesh and the Spirit are at war with each other. They're at war. It doesn't like it. Religion, the spirit of religion hates this, man, what I'm telling you. Why? Because it's not by power. It's not by uh, might. It's by the spirit, says God. So anytime we get uh, into talking about the communing with the Holy Spirit, the immersion of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit being upon people, it check it out. There's so many denominational splits over this issue right here. Right here. And I laid it out to you plainly. Have I said anything to you so far that wasn't right in Scripture? It's clearly right here. Paul says this in Ephesians 5, verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So he's saying, hey, you should be desiring a continual filling. Baptism, immersion, Holy Spirit coming upon. There is an initial baptism and a continual baptism. In the spirit. What do I mean? Well, you'll see. Um, I'm not going to go there now, but but Paul, and you can you can go find it in the book of Acts. 
But the apostle Paul, he comes upon some believers who had been baptized into John's baptism. And then what does Paul do? It's very interesting, guys. He baptizes them again into Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the right understanding. See how important it is to have faith in believing even in water baptism and being baptized with the understanding? You know how many people that we've done this teaching and they've come up to me and said, man, when I was baptized, I didn't understand that. I didn't know that. But I have faith in that work and I want to be water baptized again. And we did. And man, let me tell you, they got zapped and fresh filling, fresh fire, fresh touch in the water. And so uh, same kind of thing. Paul runs upon them. They've been baptized into John baptism. He shares, which by the way, John was preaching Jesus. There's one who's coming after me. Like he was making clear the way he was preaching Jesus. So he shares Jesus with them, baptizes them into Jesus Christ. Then he lays hands on them, and what happens? They get filled with the Holy Spirit. There's typically um, an initial baptism of the Holy Spirit, just like you see in the book of Acts. In just a few days from now, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Go and wait. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. You'll be endued with power. day of Pentecost fully comes. Mighty rushing wind. Holy Spirit comes upon them. They speak in other tongues. You'll see tongues manifest throughout Acts when the Holy Spirit falls. Uh, Peter's preaching in the house of Cornelius. This is where I love it. God just does whatever he wants. Because, again, most people get water baptized first, right? But Peter's preaching to the house of Cornelius, and what happens? The Holy Spirit falls on them, and then Peter's like, well, what now is keeping them from being baptized in water? They've already received the Holy Spirit. We need to baptize them in water. But to see, he knew he needed to baptize him in water. Did you catch that? It's important, man. But anyway, God does what he wants. Uh, but typically, there is a manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to say that. When, when you've been, I'm going to say it that way. That is what I believe. I know many some camps, some doctrines would teach you that unless you speak in tongues, you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't know, man. If you're if you have this supernatural ability to prophesy, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll see that people get baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, people get baptized in the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture in the book of Acts. And it says this. It records. It says they spoke in tongues and some prophesied. You actually see this take place in Pentecost. I just did a teaching. Um, it's actually on our YouTube channel as well on tongues of fire tongues and interpretation, you'll see this take place on the day of Pentecost. They were speaking in tongues, and people were hearing what was being said, and it was mysteries of God. And then Peter interprets and says, hey, this is what is actually going on. This is what Joel spoke about. And so he begins to then prophesy. And so there was tongues and prophecy are typically the two manifestations. I would say if there's a manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, I think that to be more biblically, biblically accurate, especially when you read when Paul says, to one is given the gift of tongues, to one is given healing, to one is given interpretation, to one this. Can you have them all? Certainly you can have them all. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have the person who gives them all. They're actually already all in you because they're all gifts of the Holy Spirit. So you can access them all through faith and whenever the Lord wills. But I, I personally know people, listen, they've been walking with the Lord a lot longer than, than some people that are teaching this stuff, okay, that you, you know, unless you speak in tongues, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. I know people that have been filled with the Holy Spirit longer than people teaching that, and they still don't speak in tongues. But they can prophesy. The sick can be healed. They might get a word of wisdom, word of knowledge. They walk in the power of the Spirit. So what are you saying to me? I don't, I'm, I'm saying I think the biblical way, the sound doctrine way, if we're going to really go deep in this thing, is to say it like this. There will be a manifestation of the Spirit when the infilling and baptism of the Spirit has happened. A manifestation of the Spirit. I think that is the most biblically accurate way to say it. Amen? Um, and again, that's its purpose is what? To be a witness unto Christ. To be a witness. And actually, that word is martyr, so it's the power to die to yourself <laughs> and, <laughs> and put on Christ. Um, but it's also power, which is what? The manifestation of the Spirit. So there's some type of power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit that come and begin to flow in a person's life. Um, it's also evidenced in the fruit of the Spirit. You're not getting the fruit of the Spirit without the immersion of the Spirit, without the Spirit being present. It doesn't happen. 
Um, and so, again, and you would say, well, what about the denominations that don't believe in the gifts? Are they filled with the Spirit? Possibly. Um, possibly. Well, what do you mean they don't operate in the gifts? Well, that's because they don't believe in it. And this thing is by what? By faith. These signs follow those who believe. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll cast out devils. They'll lay hands on the sick. It takes belief. Again, that's why the author of Hebrews is telling you, you can't go on to maturity unless you believe this. You've got to have what I'm teaching right now, these essential elementary doctrines. You should be able to teach others the same. That's what it says in Hebrews 6. Read it. That's what it says. We need to have this unlocked. And some of you, this is the first time you've ever even heard this. Man, it's almost like the enemy would love to keep us out of having these things unlocked, you know. And so let's just, I don't like giving him any credit. And so mm, let's fix it and just preach the word of God. Amen. Amen. So that is the baptism of the spirit. Now uh, we're going to get into the third and final teaching and then I'll land it. So bear with me here. Um, is this good? You guys good? Yeah. Come on, Jesus. So the baptism of fire. The baptism of fire. There are many, 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 many teachings out here. I'm not going to say that they're wrong or this or that, and some of them may be, you know, accurate, whatever. Uh, and they'll say, you know, the baptism of fire, it's when the fire of God falls on you and, and you shake and this and stuff and you get hot, which I've had that. Uh, actually, I was, uh, Randy Clark was teaching on the baptism of fire and, and things like that, and I was vacuuming um, in a church, and I was just like talking to the Lord. I was vacuuming the church, serving, and he was preaching, and I was like, God, I want that. And, man, I got s touched with the fire of God. I fell on my knees, and literally, listen, I was dripping sweat. The fire of God was on me so hot. It was like you poured hot coals on me. It was burning me up. But what was happening? I do believe that that's a work of the Spirit, and it can manifest that way. The Bible says they're not his ministering spirits wins and flames of fire. So there is a tangible physical wind uh, that blows. We saw it in Acts, a mighty rushing wind. And flames of fire manifested on their head. There will be a sense of heat. Many of you have, have experienced God's presence and warmth and fire and things like that. But I, I personally, what I believe Scripture shows that to me, I'm not going to say they're wrong. Right, this that is not necessarily what the purpose of it is or what Jesus meant when He talked about, "I'll baptize you in fire." And so I want to give us a biblical, like let's just look at the Bible. Can we do that? Can we just look at Scripture and see what it says? And, and then we'll go from there. Amen. So again, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 through 12, this is a baptism of fire. I indeed, this is John speaking, baptize you with water under repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Context, context, context. He just told you water, spirit, and fire. Oh, and that fire is going to burn up all the chaff, the worthless things, with unquenchable fire. Context. Amen? All right. Then let's look at this. Matthew 3, 13, 4 through 1. Listen to this. This is what happens immediately after this. Okay? John prophesies, I indeed baptize you. Context, context, context. I'm going to say it again. All right? I indeed baptize you with water. I'm prophesying now. John is. Unto repentance. But he who's coming after me, mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he'll burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, ha, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me? But Jesus answered and said, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fulfilling to fulfill all righteousness. Then, allowed him to, uh, then he allowed him. So what is God saying? Like sometimes there's an order to things. Again, typically, water, spirit, typically, listen. All right. When he had baptized Jesus, so Jesus himself, sets our example of our faith. How many of you know that? That Jesus lived. The, John said, 
we should live as Jesus lived in this world, so should we. He is the chief apostle of our faith. What did another apostle to the Gentiles say? Follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, I copy what Jesus did. What I saw Jesus do, I do also. Listen, Jesus himself went through the elementary foundational things we're teaching right now. Jesus himself demonstrated our faith. Check it out. He's water baptized. The spotless lamb of God, flawless. God designed it that he should be baptized in water. I think it's super important we are too. Amen. Then listen to this. As after he's baptized in water, what then happens? Jesus come up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him. Then what? And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to this next part. He's been baptized in water. He's been baptized in the spirit. And what's coming next? Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Did you catch that? Jesus himself did what he's going to do to us, received what he does to us. Baptized in water, spirit descends, then comes what? I just told, read it to you. He's, John is prophesying. Hey, his winnowing fort is in his hand. He'll clean out the threshing floor, gather his wheat in the barn, but he'll burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Jesus gets baptized in water, comes up, Holy Spirit descends, he's baptized in the Spirit, and then what happens comes the baptism of fire. He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Did you catch that? Hmm. The baptism of fire are the trials that refine. The baptism of fire are the trials that refine. Listen to this. I... I want to read it one more time, Matthew 3 and 11. Again, indeed, baptize, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he who's coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing hand, fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The baptism of fire, the trials that refine, they burn up the chaff of our life. It burns up all the thing, impure things. Where is that in Scripture? Thank you for asking. L- Luke 12, 49 through 50. I came to cast fire on the earth. This is Jesus speaking. And would I would that it was already kindled. I have a baptize, baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it's accomplished. Wait a second. What? He just tithed. The fire coming to the earth, I would that it would already be kindled into his own baptism that he has to be baptized with. He's already been baptized in water in the spirit. So what is he talking about in that baptism of fire? Do you see it? I came to cast fire on the earth, and I would that it was already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it's accomplished. Mm. He's talking about the cross, suffering, his trial, his tribulation, his baptism of fire. Listen to this. First Peter 1 Peter 1.7 says this, So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by what? By fire, may be found to result in praise and and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus was worthy to receive all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise because he went through what? The crucifixion. He suffered. He went through his trial and his tribulation, and he was found what? Having faith that God would resurrect him. Amen? He knew what? He w- God wouldn't leave his soul in shale. Revelations 3.18, Jesus says to this, this to you, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire that you may become rich 
and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and eye salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. He's speaking of these, these trials. Buy from me pure gold. Psalm 66, 10 through 12. For you have tried us, O God. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid an oppressive burden on our lo- upon our loins. You made men ride over our heads. Listen to this. We went through fire and through water. We went through fire and through water. Yet you brought us out into the place of abundance. Mm. Isaiah 48, 9 through 10. For the sake of my name, I delay my wrath. And for my praise, I restrain it for you in order not to cut you off. But behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Daniel 12, verse 10. Many will be purged, purified, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. Many will be purged, purified, and refined. We just read he refined you how? By the fire. Paul said, it says about Paul in Acts, like it, it, it closes up. A lot of Paul's ministry in Acts by this saying that he exhorted them that they would enter the kingdom of heaven. How? By many trials and tribulation, many troubles. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have troubles, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Mark 10 or sorry, Malachi chapter three, verse two through four. But who can endure the day of his coming? The Lord's coming. Listen to this. And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a furor's soap. This is Jesus, a refiner's fire. He will sit as a smelter and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi. Who are the sons of Levi? The priests. What are we called in Revelations? Priests and kings unto our God. And refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old, as in the former years. He refines us to become pleasing to him. It's like Paul said, present your bodies a living sacrifice, for this is your reasonable service. This is worship unto God. Mark 10, verse 3 through 8. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking. This is when John and James asked to uh, sit on either side of, of Christ. Remember, he had, had his mother, you know, my mom wants us to ask, can we, can we sit either side? And he says, listen, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering? I'm about to drink. So there's that bitter cup of suffering, the trials, right? Listen, and are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? He only mentions three baptisms, uh, water, spirit, and fire. Just like being filled with the spirit and being baptized with the spirit are interchangeable, so the baptism of fire and the baptism of suffering are interchangeable. Do you see? This is the death to self part of Christianity. This is trials and tribulations. These are the testing of our faith. James puts it this way in James chapter 1, verse 2, 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and tribulations, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It's the baptism of fire that's the continual work of the Holy Spirit. Thank God that as we repent and we receive times of refreshing, infusing of the Spirit, we have these moments of refreshing from the Holy Spirit that come. But how many of you know, like, I love, man, listen, I have, I have faith in Christ. All his promises are yes and amen. But there's not anybody in this room that has been walking with Christ for more than, uh, you know, five years, five, six years that haven't been through some kind of major trial. 
testing of your faith, that you haven't been some, through some kind of situation that you're like, oh, my God, what is going on here? And let me tell you the goodness of God, whether it was from your own stupid mistakes and decisions or it was from the enemy or it was a test from the Lord. Either way, either way, God is so good that he can take that and use it for your benefit and do what? May cause you to become perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. There is a baptism of fire for believers. There is. It's, it's doctrine. I wouldn't be teaching you the full gospel if all I did was teach you the fluffy fun stuff. I love all that stuff, man. I love his mercy, his goodness. I love all that. I'm, I mean, we preach that faith, all of it, man, the love of God. But listen, you're, you, you gotta, you're going to go through some things. And it's in his love that you go through things. You learn his mercy. You know, every trial I've ever went through, every real trial I've ever went through, whether I aced it or not, I came out looking more like Christ. I came out more refined. You know, that's what a refiner does. The silversmith, the goldsmith, that's what they do. They turn up the fire on the gold until the impurities come to the surface and become visible. And then they remove the impurities and they do it until what? They can see their own reflection.